Yeah, so I just want to start really by talking about uh, what you both did today, because I know you were um, kind of curious about the details of that, um, and yeah, what, what that entails. You want to start? So we, we, we run a group called um, AS United, AS mm-hmm. stands for Education Center. Okay. Um, and uh, Nadia actually piloted the group a few years back, and I, I would like her to tell the story as to how this group actually developed mm-hmm. uh, to start off with. Uh, but we've been running it with uh, some local authorities uh, for four years now, actually, mm-hmm. and, and they've been permission last year to run it for the whole of the year. So it's a six-weekly sort of a program that we offer to our young people. Mm-hmm. The age range sort of starts between sort of 12, 13, up till 17, pushing it to 18 if, if they're like-minded people. Um, and it's a, it's a gender-specific group, so we have girls have to separate okay. and uh, we, we actually help sort of teenagers who are teenagers at a difficult time anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm barely out of <laughs> So I think there are so, so many sort of common things that young people go through and, and you add autism to that I think that their, their experiences become quite tough mm. um, and I think we're looking at sort of supporting them through that journey uh, and we talk about general things so it's about like social skills, job skills, personal care, safety, so those sort of things. But then they come together and I think it feels like actually I'm not on my own. Yeah. Um, and then you can meet finally other people who have gone through similar experiences and feel a part of the community. And that's a big part of what we wanted to achieve is to have a community yeah. for, for the other people. One thing I'm curious about, when you're working with people with autism, are they aware that they are different in a lot of ways? Are they understanding of the fact that oh, I can't quite clock onto the social situation? I, I think I think one of the big barriers uh, is about young people knowing they're autistic, they don't want to be different. Yeah. Because teenagers, the time when you want to be part of something, be normal. Yeah, of course. And I think as you grow up, you realize there's nothing normal. But these guys don't want to be look differently. Yeah. They do understand that they have difficulties. Some of them actually uh, uh, realize that their friendship is a difficult one, and they're desperate to have friendships. And I think I think that's where this group has taken, as as Rupi was saying, that um, this was one of my first couple of cases when I became a consultant psychiatrist that I struggled to discharge. Uh, so I used to go every time, buck yeah. myself up, I'm going to discharge this young person okay. today. And then he would look at me and say, "Okay, you're at that age. We need to discharge you." Yeah. So the cutoff for is 17. seventeen. Okay. 16.5 to start planning for what intervention needs mm-hmm. to be done okay. further on. What, what yeah, and he, 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 was, he was up to coming to 19, and I think I was being questioned, why are you not discharging this young person from the service? And every time I used to go and he would just look at me and say, but if I don't come here, I have to talk to about my day-to-day problems. You, the part of your job is that you have to look Sometimes you do, and it is equally, when while it is difficult for families and yeah. young people, equally uh, difficult for I think ourselves clinicians because I've sometimes known kids when they were five or even yeah. and you've seen them grow up and they'll come up to sleep uh, you know I've got a girlfriend or well, that's what I mean you've got from, from 12 to 17 that's a, that's a big chunk of someone's life yeah, yeah, you're around yeah. for some major events there. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's like exam season like they say first right. relationships start to blossom and then they develop an attachment I guess yeah, yeah. Even, even if they dislike me, it is still an attachment. They have, some of them still come and they tell me how I've destroyed their life <laughs> and how I'm a, I've, been called, uh, I've been called a drug dealer, a cartel, <laughs> because I give medication. But I think I always work, and I think we all work with young people particularly, 
we have a, a friendly relationship, so it could be a back and forth. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I would tell them so and so, you know, come on, dude, that's yeah. not even true. You <laughs> and they will yeah. smile. Yeah. That this this is a far fetch. So I think that with this young person, I think eventually, uh, me and my trainee, I said, let me teach you how to discharge people. Yeah. Again, I failed. <laughs> and I think at that point, I said to this young person, what can I do? What will help you? So he started talking about there should be something for peer support. peer support and so forth. I said, okay, bring me a project proposal. So I don't think I will take the credit for the group because it was his idea to start with. Yes. Right? Um, and I'll talk about him um, later on. But uh, so he brought, he came with his mom with a project proposal. So we, we went, so I took him around schools. None of the schools were interested to do any peer support because of confidentiality. Yeah. And all the dread and dread I can. And schools are underfunded anyway, so doing additional projects. Exactly. And anyway, I won't. It's more political, also becomes a bit difficult. So yeah. I think eventually I said, okay, fine. We'll do it here. We'll do it after five. There are few of us that are interested. We we'll mm -hmm. do it together. So we we piloted it, and he did the first presentation actually because we wanted it to be peer led. Yeah. And supported by professional. And we had, it was a mixed group. We had a lot of fun. It was a fun group talking about tough stuff. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, and I think hearing it from each other. So we talked about some of the difficult stuff, like bullying, like relationship difficulties. And it was so sad to hear these young people go through yeah, it. And I think both of us have tough stories. Yes. And I think one thing we gain out of this group every week is our practice changes. We become very sympathetic. Yeah. And we, uh, so yeah. So we did that group once, but the problem with that group was it was a mixed group, and there were some heartbreaks. Heartbreaks. Right. <laughs> so we had a girl, a boy like a girl, girl like some other boy, yeah. and the boy coming just for the girl, and girl sharing about her new boyfriend. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> and I'm sitting there. No, and I remember sitting there thinking like a parent. Please, please don't talk about your boyfriend in front of him. Oh, he's, yeah. he's breaking. And oh, yeah. there are other girls sitting there with him. She's better. So, and, and I think. It, it, it breaks it. And I think so we decided. And there were some topics that girls faced with that didn't want to discuss in front of boys. And yeah. same for boys. There were yeah, some difficult stuff. So we then started doing separate gender specific group. And that really worked well because they would bring out stuff. That were more gender specific. Yeah. Uh, to I'm not just saying girl and boy. It could be any whichever you relate to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think then the group got left in a shelf. Nobody wanted to fund it. Nobody wanted to do anything, and it was always goodwill basis. So I was very. I am still very uh, passionate about thing that is mine and it needs to go to the people who are equally passionate yeah. so they, I couldn't find it so I just held it together I'm not giving it to anyone but luck would have it not only that I think the NHS we, we try to work with our local trust and at the time I think they, they didn't feel that they could invest in it yeah. for right. whatever reasons time wise particularly economic whatever reasons right mm -hmm. um, so I think it sat on the shelf for a bit and, and as Mali said she didn't want to part with it and just give it to someone who didn't have the same values and the passion behind it. Yeah, that's, that's difficult. You want to you want to see think continue to grow, right? And not just be taken in a different direction and 
mess around with these. And I think the ethos was important for me because yeah. the, as we said, it was a community sense. It was the sense of belonging, and and I think our aim is always with this group sense of uh, celebration. celebration. Ah. So we call it ce celebrating autism. Yeah. So oh, celebrating cool. our oh, uniqueness. Yeah. We don't even call it autism. The mm -hmm. only thing time we talk about autism is first 15 the minutes. First, yeah, first that's it. Yeah, then we just go on, it is our uniqueness. We are all different in this room. 10 other people will be different. Mm -hmm. But it's just that you know your uniqueness. We don't. We don't call it challenge. We don't call it a disorder. We call it yeah. uniqueness. That's, that's uh, yeah, 100%. I think that's a really good way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's more, more real world, right? You, you want to sort of, like you say, when you grow up, you realize that there is no normal. Like, normal mm -hmm. is this weird thing that everyone wants to achieve, but doesn't really know what it looks like. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, everybody looks the same, and, and then it looks boring. Yeah. yeah. I wish yeah. I wish we could take these young people in the future and mm -hmm. see what they are. They, they will be so cool. Yeah. I wish half of us had the grades because oh. they get so much done and their way of thinking is so amazing. And yeah, hard. that's something I almost wanted to segue mm. into. Do you find the people you work with generally have like a niche talent or some one thing that really clicks with them? Be hard, be mad. Is that they something are. That comes up a couple of them, like we had today, both of them, one of them has learned Japanese on him. Wow. He, he, <laughs> yeah, right? and it's no new tuition, nothing. It's just him on his own. And, and he's, he's, he's learned drumming, he's, he's learned two or four instruments on his own through yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Wow. Japanese, I think it took a year, but the rest of the things it takes three months or so. Just so really quick learn. Yeah, yeah. very short. That's and great. he's an amazing maker as well. And now I know he, he was spoiled with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> and the other day, he actually knows. He can actually guide you how to move about in Japan without ever being with Japan. It's all like photographic. He's got a photographic memory. Uh, and, and it's like a superpower. It is. Right? <laughs> we, <laughs> we use that term. That's what we say. You nailed it. We call uh, it our superpower. Yeah. And uh, a couple of them are great in drawing. Girls, we have had amazing at drawing. Yeah, uh, so we have, they are not only unique or have a niche, but also. They have a very interesting way of looking at the world. Um, um, I'm just thinking of an example which I, I I have sat there and think, oh, I didn't think about it that way. For example, and I don't know, I think lots of parents might disagree with me. And I have been in this job almost six years. I've come to realize, yeah, what's the point of pushing people to go to school when school is causing them drama? Yeah. Yeah. And some of these people actually, one of my girls actually, Stopped going for school for 18 months, gave a grammar school exam and present, aced it. Now she is actually in grammar school and doing very well, but the school she was in was not doing her anything. And it was actually everyday trauma. Half of their life was spent being in trauma to the point that she was going to be admitted in a hospital. For young people with autism, I think there is so much about certainty and predictability, and I think schools can be unpredictable. Oh, yeah. Although you might know what timetable you have, but you don't know how the next person next to you is going to react and how that's going to be. I look back at school, it was a wild time, and exactly. my brain works more or less normal, I think. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what it's like when you're trying to work out how to socialize and how to act in certain situations, and you just got well in school. It's yeah. such a crazy time. And I think lots of them, because they're very organized, they, they can be quite. They are instructed, they, they can't quite plan things sometimes, so it's almost like they, they finish this now, they don't know how to communicate that I have to finish this, they don't have the social skills, or even to say, 
No, even to say I need a five-minute break, yes. it would be standing out from the crowd. Yeah. Wow. So some of, some of them have a five-minute break card, but they don't want to use it. And yeah. the, the problem with mainstream out. school is they won't say that you can keep it on your desk and we'll understand. You have to raise your hand with the card, right. which I think is doesn't serve the purpose. Do you think there's a lack of understanding between mainstream schooling and the needs of people with autism? I think there's like this barrier. It's just getting better. It's, it still doesn't. I, I, I won't call it a barrier. I sympathize with the schools because they have got such a range of kids and their needs. And how do they balance and make it more inclusive without making it a big problem? Because if they do that to two people, what about the th three other that don't have a diagnosis but still have needs? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. people are on, they're very much so on a spectrum during their school time. You might have kids that aren't autistic but create a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. They need to have needs. And it's easy to fall in the background, right? So yeah. they do. Oh, one thing I don't want to get away from. So the person that you were talking about that yes. did 18 months off, what did they do in that time? Was it pure homeschooling? Was there any socialising involved? So they were at a converge of uh, admitting admission to uh, inpatient hospital, Due mental health, anxiety. Right, gotcha. And anxiety led to them not eating at all. Uh, the weight was shedding off. Is That's that something that happens a lot? You find with people with autism, there are often physical um, things that happen because of the anxiety. I think it's a sense of control. Ah, interesting. Because you can't control the external world, so you start controlling the internal world. So eating is something I can control, so I'm going to take some control in my life. I think six months into it, of course medication needed to be given, they were very depressed. Mm -hmm. um, and But they started uh, picking up, started catching up with academics. As you can imagine, grammar school exams are not easy. Um, and they were able to give that and achieve, and it, it, it's one of the top schools. This person who I started the group with, again, anxiety was one of the main issues, and it makes me so proud. I recently, I didn't, after he was discharged and departed our base, I did contact him now after our group is doing very well, just to see how things are and would he like to come and see. And he did respond to me uh, via email, and I'm so happy to say that he is in Canada, Wait, finishing his master, uh, bachelor's degree. He mentioned that he, his mother actually wrote back and said he's told me that uh, he replied to you separately, told me that you have contacted and that he took a year out to travel on his own. Wow, um, and now he's gone to Canada, he's coming back uh, this year, summer, uh, provided the COVID situation. Yeah. And he would like to come and be, meet the people in the group and maybe That's speak class. to uh, a few people and maybe we can bring him here as well. Oh, that'd be dope. Yeah. But I would love to have him. And I guess the important thing is sometimes the small idea can be, and it is a small thing, but it makes a huge difference in a person's life. Uh, we have another young person, we are very proud of him, uh, he does card tricks. Oh yeah. He used to, in three months, he had 148 exclusions. Oh. <laughs> yeah. in three months? In three months. 30, 60, it was 90 days. Yeah, and he was uh, he's, he was going to be permanently excluded. I remember I sat with the teacher and tried to understand what's happening. Uh, it was just sit. I didn't do anything medical or doctor related. I just sat and spoke for him because he spoke to me. These are the issues. Okay. Yes. He was maybe misunderstood. He bless him. He would be egged on by people and get caught. Ah, yeah. And he That's hated to be again as people saying singled out. And that's what they used to do. Single him out, take him to an exclusion room, and that would escalate. 
now he is without any medication and he is taking his OGCSAs and he is an amazing magician. He comes specially on our request to the groups to have magic tricks. Yeah. And he is confident enough. Uh, we have got his, uh, if somebody wants to watch him, he's, he's given consent. On our YouTube channel, he's given an interview as well oh, about yeah. himself and how things. His journey. Yeah. His journey. We'll get a link to that in yeah. the yeah. bios. We've actually got a professional magician who trains here as well. We've got one tomorrow. Um, and he's class. I wonder if he could come yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, oh, he would love it. He would love it. Because this guy's like a professional working. Oh, he, he would be over the moon. And I think I think what what we tend to do is exactly that as well. So from AS United, what we have led on to something called AS Adventures, mm -hmm. which is for again this group of people yeah. who have special interests. So we've got a few that like photography, um, uh, interviewing. In yeah. editing, video editing. video editing, so we get, get them together to do, link them with local services or That's the intention. businesses yeah. and put up projects. So these kids don't leave the group after six sessions. Yeah. We've got people who have been uh, there for uh, two years now and they keep coming back. That's so I think for the, us and some of the, our young people, I think we are very proud to say they do work experience with us. Yeah. And we give them references to come uh, for future jobs. That's so good. Um, because that helps them. Because sometimes that's what you need. Yeah. So if we just don't give it out of anything, we, they work for us, mm -hmm. they work with us, and then we can observe their skills and write it for them so that they can take it anywhere they want. I think it's, it's, it's looking at the journey and how they evolve and change and grow as individuals. It's so amazing to even see the change in six weeks that they are with us in the Philippine as well. And that makes it worth it for us to get up oh, every yeah. Saturday morning. And I hate mornings, second day. Not have a Tell about the young person's parents what they said today. I know, and, and, and again, those little things, you know, really make you think, it's, it's worth it, you know, it's it's worth making a difference to one person's life. So, you've started a boys group and this is third week, uh, and this was the, the young person's second uh, session uh, this morning. Yeah. So, they were saying that, you know, after the session finished last time, it was like there was no person in there, and, you yeah. know, with them and their wow. mom, and they're like, thinking, normally I have to tell him like six, seven times to do something, and even then I, I don't get a response, or let alone, you know, they're there to do it. The, the job and he was playing his game and, and we asked him to do something he said, yeah let me just finish my game and then they went and did he was doing the table or something and they did that and then he's like what is this but today this morning he was ready before the parents yes. and in the car otherwise he wouldn't come out yeah but, but he doesn't go out and he has a bit of an and yeah, he doesn't yeah. do things that even he normally would have liked not only that, he has a very specific routine in the morning, so that takes him forever to get ready. And if things don't go with his way, it's going to be back to for, for the parents. They have you know, something put up, you know, tantrums that, mm. you know, and uh, yes, situations right. where he feels very out of control. And today they were like, he was up and ready before them. He said they were, he was in the car before we got there. He was like, he said, whatever you're doing in here, just keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I guess that comes from this person's enthusiasm to go to the session, right? But then yeah. what, what do you think is causing the behavioural changes? So you said that at home they're more sort of obedient and level-headed. 
what do you think it is about the sessions that have then translated to that? Last time we did talk about organization skills. Okay. So that was the topic. So specific things you talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that makes sense. And I think there are probably two other things. One would be the organization skills, but I think the general acceptance mm -hmm. and meeting other people who are like like themselves. Yeah. So they um, feel less just on edge. Exactly. They don't stand out, and it's a group where they fit in, and everything is acceptable. And I think that's a huge part yeah. of, of and it really coming back, coming down to the. Um, Celebrating yourself, mm -hmm. the uniqueness. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about. There's a couple of sayings like they always spring to mind when we get on this topic. It's like a problem shared is a problem part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I always, I said it to you the other day, right? If everyone stood in a circle and put all their problems in front of each other, you'd look, take a look at the person right and left and be like, "That's mine back, please." Yeah. Because you don't realize that you might struggle with something and it might be the worst thing in the possible world. Yeah. And then if you just speak to someone else and explain their situation, you get perspective on. Oh wow, like that person's suffering too. And, oh, yeah. We're in the same boat, or do you know what? My situation is perhaps not even half as bad. Exactly. I think that helps exactly. people do it around, and it, it suddenly becomes a okay, well, well, I can help you with that, and maybe, or maybe you can help me with mine, or, or you've been through something similar that I have. And just that, that sharing and that maybe that change in perspective is, is the key. And mm -hmm. that's what makes people kind of realize okay, I am unique in my own way. I've got to just understand why things are difficult for me. And I can work around that. Right? I can figure it out. And I think that's that's what part of the group does is the the strategies around that, so that everybody yeah. goes through their own strategies, and it's okay to have one. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Do it so. What we also do, and I think that maybe contributing to this person, I think, is that we also run a parallel carers group. Mm -hmm. right? Interesting. So when okay. the parents are actually here dropping the kids, mm -hmm. before they would just drop and go, or they would be sitting just and having a chat, right? Mm -hmm. And then the the parent group sort of developed innately in that sense um, that uh, there was a need for it and we thought well, actually oh, can we do that. Parents, maybe. I just love parents because they're so <laughs> strange creatures. <laughs> I like how you put it. That's an interesting perspective. Carry on. You go to like a, a, I don't know, a youth football rugby yeah. team or something like that. You watch all the dads or the moms and dads on the sideline. They do not talk a word to each other. But they will address their kids and they will just talk to kids. And it's, you will always find the one parent who's I guess they've got their social skills or something, and they will go and talk and make friends and be really sociable. But then, like, my dad's a classic case for it, like, I'm not going to talk to people. But they will force you to go and talk to people. Yeah. Like, you should have good social skills. I'm like, but dad, you don't like people. And <laughs> That's different. They're, they're so strange because it's like they, they're always like, my dad talks about like passing things down. Mm -hmm. So he'll be like, uh, you know, the, the sort of chronic masculinity or whatever. Like, we're coming into a point now where it's becoming sort of less and less. So it's clear of what it is to be yeah. a, a masculine male or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he talks about like specifically with my grand my granddad and his side of the family is old school, is a coal miner, yeah. very manly man, like has a whiskey every night, doesn't talk about what what's a feeling, doesn't know what it what, is. What feelings? Um, my dad's a little bit less like that. And he talks to me and I've got an older brother, I've got two older brothers, and he says, You three will be less like me. Mm. You're, you're, you're liberal as anything, mate. Less like of feelings. Eh? <laughs> when you say that, you, that's because I let you see that. Oh, <laughs> um, and so it kind of like, he talks about like passing that down the chain, but like I watch him in some social situations where I find it so easy to navigate. And he'll be like, oh, God, here, really bad. You're an adult. Their problems don't change. You can be a kid and you can have social and, and difficulties and adults. Yeah, I think it's, it's also, you know, parents change the yeah. And once they see that, they actually someone saying, actually, listening to you, I, I realized 
your situation is far worse than this. <laughs> 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 yeah. but, but, so I'll take mine to give yeah. uh, back. He's, he's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, that probably makes you feel loads better, right? Like, oh, there is other people. Because it's the parents that it's, it's a struggle for. Because I'm sure they, yeah. you know, they went into this sort of parenthood journey with a certain image in their head of what it may be like. Yeah. And then they're faced with a challenge. And not that that's a bad thing, that they love the child any less, but it's a different, it's a different ball game. And, and, and I think we were talking, we were talking about it this morning uh, as we were coming from the group. Um, the parenting in itself is hard. It's not an easy job. I would imagine so. um, uh, if, if people knew what it was, they won't go back to having kids, probably. I'm yeah, sure our parents would say we would have been better without. But I think, I think we, I always say uh, to young people and parents that it is hard. Kids don't come with a manual. No. Um, we we sometimes think about it this way that okay this kid has got a neurodiversity or they have got difficulties that's why they are like this your average neurotypical kid can be yes difficult and make yeah. your life very Just hard uh, we've all made our parents lives hard if you remember back yeah. I always say if I was my own parent I would have killed myself we don't want to go into those stories but, no, but and sometimes parents need to acknowledge and have a safe place to say, yeah. this is shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> My kid is really annoying, man. Yeah. No, but, but I think it's not it's not yeah. Yeah. Oh, My life is not as I expected it to be. Yeah. Um, I'm saying that, who was I saying this the day? I think it must be one of my friends or something like um, A lot of my friends have difficulty with their parents and with their relationships and stuff. I always say to them, like, you don't get to choose your parents. Your parents don't get to choose your kids. You, you, you're kind of just forced to like them, whether <laughs> you want to or not. Sometimes it just, unfortunately, end up in really sad circumstances. Yeah. But yeah, ultimately, you've got, to, you've got to look at your parents, not only for perhaps whether they're doing things wrong, whether they're doing things right. Exactly. Like if they are, in a weird way, I suppose, exposing where they do perhaps fall short of the mark, it's your responsibility Thing, to look at that and be like, okay, well, I can either continue to repeat that behavior because I see, I do what I see, you know, I can learn that as a kid, or I can say, like, okay, maybe when I have kids, when I go older, I'll, I'll try and remember that, you know, my parents not helping me with my homework as much was really difficult for me because I needed that attention, and I'll try and be better. There's probably better examples out there, but it's, it's recognizing that parents aren't perfect. Mm-hmm. You are learning on the job. Yeah. It's oh, not like you get a test of one before, you want to try before you buy. Like, yeah, dog. Yeah, well. <laughs> I think you can think about that when you're a bit older. I think yeah. Yeah. Day, you never get that. And I think, I think parents, speaking from parents' point of view, they also feel um, a loss. A loss also um, loss, loss of their dreams, if you like. Yeah, right. Fantasy in our head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which all of us go through, you know, we might have a fantasy about a certain career, yeah. relationships, uh, life we want to children. Right, yeah. yeah. And and the reality is pretty different. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. I, I read in the book that what messes us is the fantasy in our head. Yeah. Uh, and so, that's yeah, especially when you hang on to that. Yeah. Like after it's sort of gone and, and you're still chasing it, trying to live vicariously what? through your children, then aren't you? <laughs> uh, I think the other thing we must remember from parents' point of view is Kids don't know this. They feel like a failure if they, they uh, if they are not able to. They feel they haven't lived up to certain things. Sometimes they feel that we have caused it. Yeah. Sometimes they feel that actually maybe they're not doing something right. That's why they have more behavioral problems. Yeah. And today, I think lots of parents were uh, empathizing with the children and realizing the sacrifices they have to make. Mm. They lost friendships. Wow. Their social their social mm. group has changed because people don't understand their child and the difficulties that 
they it's almost like having a white elephant in the room. They, yeah. they they meet but they don't talk about it. It's mm, and and life is not as Mani was saying. It's not what they thought it would be, and mm. they have lost so much in, in making the the children okay. It really just does okay. sound like the parents need to support with as mm. much as the kids need, right? It must be important for the parents with children with autism to hang around other parents with children who have children. Sometimes they just come because that's the only break. Yeah, so one, one, one parent today yeah. was saying that although her child didn't want to come, but she was like, you know what, this is my only break from coming here. Yeah. Because she's a single parent, right. uh, and um, you know her child has other difficulties, and therefore she's always concerned about her safety. She can't leave him alone, and she worries what would happen if she was away, even for a 15-minute break. Mm. She had to. Mm. So we talk about self-care mm. as parents as well today, and I think one of the difficulties that she uh, was having was that she would worry. As to what she would come back to, mm. that she can't even take ten minutes for herself because mm. it was—it's so overwhelming and anxiety-giving for them to mm. let the child be as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, it comes with so many layers, and that's why that parent group is so important, which yeah. we didn't realize when we first started. Yeah. But I think the more I'm participating in it, the more I realize actually there's so much that parents go through as well. Yeah, and they need help. You, if you're in a situation in life where there is no rest from mm. your working. And yeah. you're looking after kids, so you're not technically being parents, it's probably a job. Like, you're it not, is. You're not resting by no, doing it. You can take imagine. pleasure in it, but it's still, you have to be switched on. Mm. Exactly, that's when exactly that's what parents said to me. That it's it? like they are, they're on the job 24-7, yeah. you cannot rest. They're it's always worried about the next one. Must be so tiring, like just it's exhausting. Exhausting is that yeah, I think yeah. they don't, some of them are drained and they just don't know what to do. And I think, just imagine if we were spending a day at work, and then after that, we have to go and start the second job. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah. and the job doesn't end, and you have to sleep with nights, and you yeah. get up and, and go to the next job, and it's just that's your life. worried about the morning and, and parents who are less than worried about the fact, what's going to happen to when I'm gone? If something happens to me, what's going to happen to this child? Nobody understands them. And I think that, can be good and bad because you can empower the child or you can mollycuddle yeah. them. And I yeah. think we try to move away from the uh, empower. We would try to move towards the empowerment. Yeah. Uh, because there is normal cycle of life. If this child didn't have autism or any other neurodevelopmental difficulties, they would still go to college. They would yeah. still get in trouble for their behavior. Yeah. They would and still they move out, yeah. and it's okay to let them do that. Yeah, that's, that's a massive thing. I think. Like, I mean. Uh, nearly 25 years old, I've got no experience of raising a child my entire life. But I, this is why I get fascinated by parents because I think, like, uh, I didn't have the greatest relationship with my mother growing up. But I try and think about what would I pass down, if that makes sense. Like, you know, maybe in the next 10 years or so, something like that. No, no commitment there. Uh, <laughs> you just talked about it. <laughs> yeah, just like thought about these things because it's everyone at my age at the moment. My, my, my dad, by this time I was married with a house and a kid. Oh, yeah. And the next four years I was a second kid and then was divorced and you know, being separated from those kids and all sorts of stuff. Mm. So um, it's weird to now think that God I would be a parent because my dad this is, yeah. this is odd, barely on solid food. How do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> so you think about like, okay, well what would I if I was a dad now, what would, what would I have experience wise to pass down? Fortunately, I do work with a lot of adults who do have kids, so I get a lot of little nuggets of information from there. And it's weird that there, there's so many little things when it comes to switching off that they don't have. And mm -hmm. I have to teach them that. I have to be like, you've come here to train, this is your time. Exactly. You know, 
which I suppose is why we got you on the podcast is to talk about that relationship between activity, whether it be mm-hmm. in a gym or, or mm-hmm. going for coffee, whatever it is, separating from the rest of your life is so important. Like when are you doing that one thing that is just for you? Yeah. It recharges your battery. Mm-hmm. You know, I think working and having a kid, especially then having a kid with some difficulties as well, it's giving you a lot of energy away every day. Mm-hmm. And you know, Got to try and fill that back up somewhere. And, and also, I think that's how you read too, I guess. Nadi and I, I know we, we have sort of talked about these things that even for us as psychiatrists, uh, a full day of dealing with complex patients, trauma patients, both Nadia is a child psychiatrist, I work with adults, but it's, yeah. it's, it can be quite tough yeah. listening to stories and thinking all of that himself. Mm-hmm. So, having that cut off. We always have a gym bag in a car. Mm-hmm. Change. Yeah. It's like the change of my work day to now it's my own time. So that's the, the biggest thing. You've got it in the back of your car already, right? Yeah, yeah so there's problems. It's like not keeping cookies in the fridge yeah. if you try and cut down and stuff. Yeah. If you have easy access to stuff and it's good stuff, you have a gym bag in your car, then it's way easier to do it. If you have to think, oh, I've got to go back, I've got to pack. If there's any barriers to entry, there's just more excuses to quit. Yeah. But if you don't have any excuses, and you're like, sweet, I can just go and do this. You've got to make it. Like, you've got to. It's like got to be autonomous, right? Yeah, you just got to treat it like if you're at your lowest charge, what can you manage to do? You're not going to manage to go and dig out it from the drawer, dig your clothes out from the drawer, or your shoes out from under the stairs. You're going to yeah. want to just pick it up and go. That is that. one thing we wanted to discuss, though. That's what relationship between physical training and mental health. You see it a lot here. Mm-hmm. There's two ways to look at it, I think, but I'm curious as what your uh, sort of views are when it comes to maybe people you work with or just knowledge that you have on the subject about relationship between physical training uh, and your overall mental health, especially in I think I think one of the things is routine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, most of us spend a lot of time sitting down, yeah. which is not helpful. And putting that in a routine is healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I, I feel that all day long young people are studying on their screens, yeah. studying or on their screen might be better, um, or Netflix, they are actually using their brain quite a lot and a lot of chemicals are gathering in their body that needs to be released. Mm. Um, so I think what I see is that a regular routine of either it is walking, going out, fresh air, meeting people, physical activity brings that all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is a change of scenery as well from your room. Yeah. And I have noticed young people who do actually go out and do exercise, either cycling, some of them are, you know, weight trainers as well uh, with ADHD. Mm-hmm. That really helps in a holistic sense. Oh, yeah. Um, it's also, you know, you're eating well then automatically. Eating well helps with the uh, mental health. Oh, you yeah, need the right amount of uh, chemical imbalance. Yeah. Uh, you, you're drinking water. Yeah, you, it all rolls into one. Yeah. I have a client of mine that suffers quite badly with ADHD. Um, and I talked to her for a long time during the lockdown. It's very difficult because there is no regularity to mm-hmm. days just wide open for whatever. Um, and they did very, very well. And they first got here when I put, basically built them into a routine because they were like, well, I've got to go there twice a week now. So that means I have to eat meals twice a week to make sure I'm good for that. And like, I've, I've flooded them with information on terms of correct nutrition, and, uh, drinking water, and like having enough sleep. And like, why? Yes, you might be in bed from 12 to 8, but that doesn't mean you've slept 8 hours and stuff like that. And all of those little nuggets of information that you get. Um, because I think, I think one thing you've said very importantly is sleep. Yeah. You mentioned. Oh, yeah. Because it's, if you're physically active, you're going to, your yeah. body will want to sleep more. Yep. 
uh, and it will tire you and you will get good hours. You need that recovery for, to, for mental well-being, yeah. for good sleeping pattern. I feel uh, physical activity is so very important when we carry out yeah. um, uh, for sleeping as well. And our young people these days are suffering from very dysregulated sleep. Oh, cycle. yeah, one's for oh, The whole world is at the moment. Yeah. You just had to say that because you wanted to be a young person. Twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> you just you're gone. You're now. You're now. It's too late now. You're, you're late. You can't do yeah. One of the nutritionists here told me that at twenty-five is when your cells start to not be able to. You don't. Pruning stuff. Yeah, everything. Everything. Basically, you stop regenerating quicker yeah. than you start. Uh, you're practically an old man. I was yeah, like, I thought that was at thirty. Yeah. Like, no, Are you twenty-five or twenty-five in September? Yeah. In September. Yeah. Like, Two months older than me, yeah, that's scary. A few more cells to go forward. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm definitely biased in the idea of strength training for mental health just because it's so, I want to say, simple in that um, the improvements are so measurable, right? Mm -hmm. So you can you can only lift a certain amount. Everybody has a certain amount they can lift, but you can, you can improve on it. And it's so simple to just put a little bit more weight on the bar, yeah. do the work, and it's so rewarding because you end up doing things that were quite literally physically impossible for you to do previously. And it's just a time to just to back away from everything else. No problem is gonna, no problem that you have is gonna hinder your ability to lift weights. Mm -hmm. That's why I think it's such a sort of pure way to focus on your mental health. What I notice in my working with uh, uh, people is that people who train, um, in addition to doing other things in terms of getting better, I think they, they get better because Yes, right. Yeah. Um, and uh, they they stay better for longer as well. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, and that could be any form of training. It doesn't have to be at a gym. It could be cycling. Cycling. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, anything that has up. like anything that has measurable markers. So if you're cycling, activity. Yeah, activity is always best one. Activity. I think. I think I find with young people, gym is so important because it's a social element. Yes. yes. And so. that's why physical activity in the gym it's motivation as well. Looking at other people. I think we talked about it when we first met you. It's, it's role model. Right? It's role model. Exposed to so many different oh, role yeah. models. Yeah. Um, and also getting the right advice. There is no point in starting to lift, as you were saying, barbells of yeah. hundred kilograms and uh, breaking your back. Yeah. It's about taking somebody with and guiding. And I think role model mentoring is mm. one of the key things that you get. Well, from. we have that here. We sort of have to act as sort of semi role models in yeah. a sense, but we also have role models here. Mm. People that own the gym or some of the bigger lifters. We for advice so there's there's nowhere that's why this place is so good because it's filled with such a diverse community mm -hmm. you've got people from all different backgrounds all different ages different races everything so it means that you can look up to people in, in different ways yeah. someone that may not be as strong as you has something that you can look up to because yeah. of something different mm -hmm. and then obviously there's going to be people you can look up to because they're strong you can mm -hmm. get advice so it's, it's such a good little it's like a little bubble of mm -hmm. just everything that you may need and, and well. you might see somebody that you've uh, not seen for a month and you can ask what's happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why this place works and that's why I love the class format because um, before long, if you miss a couple of sessions, people will text you and be like, where have you been? Mm. Whereas if you go to Pure Gym on your own, there is no accountability yeah. really unless you've got a friend, which is a good yeah. way to do it. And that's a different environment, isn't it? Like, yeah, it is. But I mean, it can work the same if you're going with a good friend. But in here especially, you're going to be you know, you're held accountable almost, mm -hmm. um, and it's fun in here, so people like to come. But there definitely is that if you get yourself into a routine of coming here and train often, and then you drop off a bit, can guarantee you at least two or three people will text you. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, yeah. And I think I always encourage my young people to have a personal trainer because I've had the experience. I know uh, the personal trainer actually pulled me one day and made me sit down. What What's happening to your strength? What's How's your eating been? It's been and it was bad at that time. And I was I, I did get a telling off. But uh, I think sometimes you need somebody to because I think you go into extremes of things. Coaches need coaches. Oh yeah, yeah. because in a in a sense, coach or educate other people. Um, and so it's something a while like uh, like a therapist will have their own therapist. A coach will have their own coach for something. Um, because you can't always hold yourself accountable. Mm. You could be the you could be the most celebrated and decorated educator or coach or whatever you want to call it in the world, that person will still need someone there on yeah. a low day telling them, mm. have you done this yet? What? Mm. Oh, you know the answer. Stop being an idiot and do it. I <laughs> uh, no one's an expert in every field, no, right? Of so everybody can oh, learn off people. And I think, I think both of us are sort of try within means mm. and reasonable. We try things before we actually advise somebody. I yeah, would ask for good. somebody to go for a personal trainer yeah. unless I've tried. No, I wasn't going to say anything bad. No, no, no. Like, I don't know what she's talking about. Oh, no, no. I'm just thinking about pizza. Because the, the day that our trainer says that we have pizza, we know we really have. But I think, again, that's another balance, isn't it? Uh, having healthy food which you can maintain. I mean, I can't live without yeah. pizza. It's that the, comes under a different category. Yeah, the 80-20 rule as well. Oh, right. so yeah. you in 80% great stuff, um, and then you allow yourself that 20% of yeah. your stuff that you enjoy. And just like understand that 20%, like food is not inherently good or bad. Like, yeah. If we give it this label and we talk about like, oh, chocolate's really bad for you, but I really like it. Chocolate isn't bad. It's bad if you abuse chocolate. Yeah. So if right. you stuff your face with it all the time, it's not going to do you any favours. If you use it in the right way, which is, you're know, having a bad day, I'm going to get myself a bar of chocolate because I'm proud of I'm myself for yeah. getting out of bed this morning. Yeah. It's going to do you a world of good. And I think that's my, I come across that problem quite a lot, is people's relationship with food tends to be a little bit off sometimes. They don't understand that, like, being Italian, so you should never make a decision on an empty stomach. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, good food fuels the soul. Like, it's written everywhere in Martin, and I don't love Martin, but that is the right thing. You have to have a good relationship. You have to understand that it's not good, it's not bad. 80-20 rules are great. Shout for it, but if you like pizza, don't don't deprive yourself of pizza. Yeah. Well, that's not a good thing to yeah. do. That's what's happened more recently. I've observed that people are wanting to eat clean. Yeah. Yes, that's a good thing, but I think it becomes a problem oh, that they so. can't eat anything else. And pizza it's looks like not pizza, but something else. It's you know? extreme. Uh, it? Lots of Indian foods feel like like you know the traditional ones that I think about um, will feel like that. You know, they're clogging your heart, uh, arteries just yeah. by looking at them. So <laughs> I, I know someone like that here. <laughs> um, and uh, I, you know, we have debates around this because uh, I, I agree with you that I think food's not bad. No. If how you how you how you use it, yeah, hundred percent. But just going back to the gym. Uh, about and being here and exercising, it's good for the mental health, and there is a whole mm -hmm. like, social aspect of it and the psychological aspect of it. But exercise itself, and, uh, you know, it changes your neurochemicals, and I think that's what people sometimes tend to mm -hmm. forget about. You know, it is going your 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 brain is going to have a bit of a party inside, yeah. and mm -hmm. your neurotransmitters are going to be jumping around, which are good for you. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you have depression, then those are the neurochemicals that your body is Activate, low need, need activation. Can we talk about that? Yeah. The chemical imbalances. When to depression. I don't understand it that much. I'd like to know about it. 
So the uh, it's it's uh, the monoamine theory is what it's called. So monoamines are like the chemicals, and there are few of them that are present in the brain. So they are the neurotransmitters. And similarly, if they're also present as hormones, which are not in the brain but outside, so they're hormones as well. So when you think of the word like adrenaline, uh, that's present as a as a hormone as well in the body, okay. uh, and it's also available as a so when that happens, so there can be an imbalance in, in your brain that we are kind of low on certain uh, neurotransmitters, right? So dopamine might be out of sync and that's your reward one, which is also the one that makes you do things more regularly. So addiction behaviors are associated with as a, as dopamine, the dopamine yeah, right? For sure. Um, so if something is rewarding, if something is pleasurable, you're going to go and want to do it again and again. So mm -hmm. exercise becomes like that because once you see, oh, that muscle is growing, oh, I look a bit taller, yeah. exactly, right? And then yeah. you think, you know what? I'm going to go back to the gym. Yes. And I'm going to eat clean because I know that's going to help me in my journey to look clean or look clean or whatever you want to do, right? So I think that's that's your dopamine. The other one is your fight and flight sort of uh, uh, sort of a neurotransmitter, which is your norepinephrine uh, or we call it adrenaline as well. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's the one where you either feel soothed or you feel like I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's, yeah. let's go rock and roll, right? So either that. So imagine like if you, if you were on a Going to a party, you'll be excited. Yes. Your heart's pumping. You're excited when you see your friends, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you're kind of imagining what you would do: dance, blah blah blah, right? But if you have the same chemicals in an anxiety situation or a fearful situation, right? So it's the same chemical that you experience in both excitement, mm -hmm. but also in anxiety. Right? Interesting. So it's the same thing. It's the it's same. same thing. So how does it cause different feelings? It's the inference. So how your body interprets that chemical response. Wow. So if you think about it, lots of people who are performers, as an example, mm -hmm. they will tell you the same symptoms of a person who's about to have a panic attack on mm -hmm. the right? Their heart is pumping, they're sweaty, they're shaking, right? They, they, they might feel a bit confused. Uh, they're, they're getting their, their, their thoughts together. They can't think of what I'm going to say, how I'm going to sing, etc., etc. But it's the inference. Okay, this, this, this thing, my body's telling me I'm excited, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Let's go, right? So it's an exciting thing, or it's like, oh my god, I can't go because it's too scary outside. I think that party analogy you used is really good because people will either be excited for something like that or anxious, right? It's either going to be, oh, this is going to be a difficult social situation, or it's going to be, oh, this is, I'm going to see my friends. So people with anxiety literally they do have the same thing happening as someone who doesn't have it. Yeah, yeah. So thing. if the I saw a massive spider here, yeah. I'm thinking, uh, I'll probably have some swear words going on in my head, yep. right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, how do I run, right? And it's the same sort of stuff that would be happening. My my heart will be pumping, thanks to certain chemicals, right? So the the adrenaline in my brain and body is going to be working on my heart, making it pump faster, so that uh, I need to run now. It's going to get more sort of blood supply to my muscles if I need to run now, right? So it's going to be making my breathing easy. So these are where they can be these receptors sort of sit. In our body, and that's what is going to be happening to my myself. Looking at that, if I am, however, like spiders, I have similar responses. Like, oh, look at that! Ah. Right? And I'll I'll be looking at oh, what sort of spider it is. Is it a pet? And that's why psychological interventions, along with the chemicals, help the change of psychological. And I, I think it might be useful to just describe what a neurotransmitter is and what what does it do. Yes, yeah, so no, I think I think. Neurotransmitters are going to attach to neurons yeah. to uh, impart energy yeah. or, uh, or chemicals. Once that, so 
imagine this is a yeah electricity wire. A neurotransmitter comes, it attaches itself, it releases another message or electricity to the next neuron, and it might release another chemical. Yeah, it breaks here. And receptors as well throughout our body, they have receptors. Chemicals get attached and release a certain kind of another chemical or an impulse. So that's why we need those chemicals. They're almost like chargers. Yeah. So imagine if you exercise as an example. If your dopamine is being released, that means your body's saying, oh, this is a good thing. If your adrenaline is going up, then that means that you're having a positive experience. Your serotonin goes up, which is your happy hormone. Yeah. That's right. Happy chemical hormone. But yeah, so that goes up as you're exercising. Your cortisol levels will go down. And cortisol is associated with depression at that point. It is a stress hormone. So PTSD, you think about it. You think about any anxiety state, your cortisol will be high. Depression will And uh, so, and, and any general sort of stress when you haven't had uh, a formalized sort of mental health diagnosis. But if you're living in a stressful state, your cortisol is going to be so. So exercise lowers cortisol. It's going to lower it down. Oh, okay. So if you lower the negative, brings yeah, brings so out the yes. Yeah. So if the when you exercise, the cortisol level will, will go down, and your other chemicals will go up. Right. So right. as a result, your your depression and anxiety symptoms will lift, and so there was something I wanted to we'll go back to where we were at before because an interesting little thing I was thinking about in that you're definitely right with that, that the general person if they exercise and they train, the cortisol goes down, the serotonin goes up, that makes complete sense. However, there's definitely cases, and we have it a little bit here, when people start training to a competitive level and are athletes, yeah, yeah it, it becomes you're only gonna get that serotonin release if you have a good session. And I see it here all the time. People will lift crazy heavy weights, do loads of work, and then they're beaten up and annoyed about it because one certain thing didn't go wrong. Your brother's a guest mentioned every week on here. Your brother's a classic. Your brother's a classic. I'm telling you, you describe it. He'll put so much work in. He'll come in here, work his ass off. Today, I was so proud of him. He did so well. Um, but then other days, he'll put loads of work in, but he might miss a couple of reps here. He won't achieve what he definitely set out to achieve. And he'll be essentially like depressed with it. Right, they'll bother, right? Yeah, so it's interesting the relationship people have with training, and yeah. I think it's different in here because we're sort of a strength and conditioning gym, we have a lot of competitors in here. Your yeah. everyday global gym is a little bit different, people go there to exercise to release the chemicals and all the good stuff, mm -hmm. but it does, it can change. It it's almost stuff. like that relationship with exercise has changed completely. 100%, yeah. It's like having a relationship with food, it's yeah. just it changes. And mine sort of ebbs and flows every now and then. I treat it as exercise, it's all good. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I've got down, like I've just done a great session, I think, oh, I'm Mm. That's the thing where like having the so what my brother needed and what he has done now is he's got a coach. Mm. So when mm. he has those days, he's not talking to me or you about it. He's talking to his coach, and his coach yeah. holds that position of power in the relationship of saying like, no, you did a good job. Be proud of yourself, mm. and he hopefully believe that, take that away, and start to maybe change yeah. into ideas of yeah. okay, I didn't have a bad day. Yeah, so always tell you for when you're learning to be like a, a coach in this sort of environment. Um, two positives and a negative. So if I know someone's performance, you're always saying, okay, I want to bring up two positives about what they did and then one negative they can improve. Even if you've seen like 50 negatives, mm -hmm. just pick a one. Pick a low-hanging fruit. Pick yeah. one that they can immediately kind of go, oh, yeah, that's right, to be fair, I didn't really go as hard as I could. But I've got two new PBs on, on reps or on, on, mm -hmm. on something else. And so it's, I did try it with my brother. Because really I, I don't have that relationship with him. I'm his yeah. brother, so it's. Oh, yeah, it's I almost think it's negative for you to try and do that because he'll be in all like, 
you know, relaxed and well, practical about it. It's just what I did to subvert that idea and just tell him that's what I, that's what you should do to yourself. And oh. had me tell him. I was like, just think about two things you did really well. You did, didn't do that well. Mm-hmm. Kind of worked. So before we say way too much onto that, I'm going to just jump back to where we were. So when we talk about depression, um, is there a distinct difference between people who are naturally going to sort of just develop depression when you talk to them there's no distinct reason why they have it, there is just low levels, compared with people who go through something and that causes depression? Is there a distinct difference between those two people? Is there anything to that? So when you think about depression, uh, there's a lot of research on that. There's definitely genetic. So if there is family history of depression bipolar, that makes you more prone. Or even Psychosis. Or psychosis, mm-hmm. or any other mental disorder in that, in, that, in that manner. So in certain populations, for example, immigrant populations will always be the higher risk of, of uh, mental illness as compared to the other convert. Which and that doesn't matter about the race, it's just the fact that you are immigrating You're again. Immigrating, yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, there are other weird studies that they've got to remember. So it's it's like looking at uh, whether there are winter birds, as an example. Yeah. So winter birds make you more prone to mental illness, right? Interesting. Um, and uh, so I don't know whether there's a, an association with like flus or anything also viral infections yeah. that has been studied, right? Uh, yeah. um, other studies are, are around sort of socioeconomic factors, mm-hmm. looking yep. at that. Single parents, mm-hmm. um, men who are, are divorced as an example, so divorced people have a higher rate of, of depression. So there are studies that have looked at If you categorize it, it's entry events in life and exit events. So they, they are categorized. So Losses, job loss, uh, relationship, relationship loss. That's got to be a big one. Big, right? they are very big one. Losses are big one. And how do we react? And how do we cope with the react? Uh, yeah. Because all loss are bereavements. Yeah. Well, there's this economic theory that losses loom yeah. twice as larger than equivalent yeah. gains, right? So if if I um, if I find a tenant on the street, I get the same amount of joy as I would have a negative feeling. So if I lost a tenant, it would feel like Double mm-hmm. um, than gaining it. That I think that, that's exactly so exactly. gaining a relationship, gaining a job feels good, but losing it feels twice as heavy as that good feeling felt. Yeah. If yeah. that sort of mm-hmm. makes sense, if I'm describing that well. So I think that's why it definitely comes down to losses. As humans, we just take it hard, right? Because yeah. uh, you can't see the future, you can't tell what's going on. You can go through a job loss, a breakup, or anything of that thing. But gains can also cause some depression as well, like her parents when. Mm-hmm. Young parents, yeah. they go through difficult time with their relationship with adjusting to a child, uh, yeah. uh, pressure of the job, postnatal yeah. depression. Yeah. Lots of people, when they um, have job, high pressure job, new jobs, they set themselves to this level that I have to achieve. And there are certain personalities. Yeah. Like yeah. Talking about your brother, he has yeah. certain personality that It's an expectation. Yeah. Um, it's like we get, you see it a lot of high end athletes. Mm-hmm. If they want to be world champion, they'll reach world champion. Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury is a perfect example. Yeah. He reaches world title, and then he's like, what, what to do now? Mm-hmm. Done it. And he yeah. crashes. Mm-hmm. And he talks about now when he's going for his, his not another world title, he's going to get it back, I think. No, he's got it. He's going for the um, unification. That's it. Um, he talks about now, he's like, now once I achieve that, I know that I can continue on and I just need to set a new goal for me to do. Mm-hmm. Because he dedicated his entire life to it at one point. That was the only thing set himself to do, haven't thought about what he yeah. did after. Well, it's probably, the winning it is probably never as cool as the work you put towards it. You'll attest to it here, when you hit yeah. the BB or something. You're never that hyped. I don't get that hyped. I love the work that you put towards it. I love the feeling of knowing that I can go for the BB because I've done the work prior to it. Actually, lifting the weight for me is never 
It's a journey, it. isn't it? Yeah, and I always get way more hype for the people's achievements. There's cool today. Your brother made a massive lift. He snatched yeah, 100 yeah. kilos today, which means he pulled off the floor, wow. dropped underneath it, caught it like this, and stood him up. Um, which was really, really cool. Huge milestone for anyone that trains yeah, this sort of sport. You, if you can snatch 100 kilos, you've dedicated a fair bit of time. Yeah, it's like a cool conversation stuff. And like, if someone's like, what's your snatch? If you've got 100, you're pretty legit. <laughs> and there's a, he videoed it, and there's a screenshot. I was sat behind the desk, he was lifting there, and he made it. He <laughs> Honestly, I like jumped out of my seat in pure joy and excitement. Aww. But if I was to make the same lift, I'd be like, okay, cool, sweet, I'm on to the next thing. Um, but clearly, I value these things as really good achievements. Mm. Yeah, if I was to do the same thing, I would give myself the same We just want to celebrate our things. I was going to say, I think like, hard to be happy for yourself is really hard. It's even harder to be happy for someone else when you're not happy for yourself. Yeah. That's the mm. thing. So, like, I'm you jealous. find it. Thing. Uh-huh. Well, I think you find it super easy to be happy for other people. But if, like I say, if you did something equally as amazing, you probably wouldn't celebrate it that much. No, no, I don't really care. In a weird way. Like, I do care. Oh, obviously, care. Obviously. Yeah. Care. But I don't have this like joy. This but I think it's the personality, isn't it? We're yeah. all different in our personality. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So I want to go through what sort of like normal week looks like for you in terms of seeing patients. In fact, that might be a bad way to do it because I can imagine it changes a lot. I think it's changed a lot in yeah. the COVID times. Oh yeah, yeah, but in terms of seeing patients, what the process looks like, the type of people you may work with, I'm very curious as to what that looks like. I think my my assessments are very different from your assessments. So I work in adults. Uh, okay. uh, so what's the age range? So 18 above? Oh, actually, no. Um, so I work with two teams. So one is the uh, psychosis team. So anyone who has first episode of psychosis, regardless of how they have developed psychosis, yeah. could be drugs, could be schizophrenia, could be because of depression or whatever else. Um, so I see people with that, and that age range starts at 14, mm. 14 okay. adults, up to 65. 40, uh, and the other team that I work with is something called uh, like. Just call it no, no psychosis. <laughs> so this could be your personality disorders, this could be your mood disorders, right, okay. disorders. It also could of that. So assessments are very different and because I see mainly uh, adult population, so the assessment can take up to two hours. A single assessment can take us two hours to okay. assess what's really going on. And what does that assessment look like? So the assessment will go from looking at what's the problem right now as to what brings them to me. Yeah, like today's issues. Yeah, today's issues. But then you have to kind of broaden it out and look at all the way to the childhood to, as Nadia was saying, it's biopsychosocial. We look at the social factors, we look at psychological factors, we look at the biological factors, and I say biological, like genetics and alcohol, yeah. drugs, medication. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's bringing this person to me right now uh, is something that we're sort of looking at. We're also looking at their physical health, we're looking at uh, their family history, yeah. um, their relationship with their parents, what happened school so we go all the way into their childhood actually even before childhood what was mom and dad's relationship before they were born up till what's happening right now and all that has to be done within two hours to get a sense of their person make a diagnosis and get certain plans running and sometimes that is easy and uh, is being able to achieve that in the first session and sometimes it, it, it requires two and, and the harder part for me is the psychosis part because most of the people who are psychotic their families tend to bring them and they don't necessarily yeah. Right what's the definition of like being psychotic? What does that sort of Psychosis is, a, is like an umbrella term for a variety of symptoms. So the most common ones are things like hallucinations and, and delusions. So the hallucinations, okay. are, the common one are all three hallucinations when people say that they're hearing voices. Yeah. Um, so hearing voices, uh, seeing things differently, and people can also have olfactory, which is like uh, smelling things differently. Gustatory oh. hallucinations, which are like tasting things. Somatic hallucination, which is feeling 
for example, be in touch with them and lose no one around. Right? How does that sort of happen? That might be a difficult question. What, what's actually going on when someone feels or hears? So you know that brain, when it comes to that root trauma, when the neural pathways that we're talking about, they are they are having a massive party now. <laughs> they, are, <laughs> they are all over the place. The dopamine yeah. is, is plus 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 plus. Right. right? Okay. So there's an excess of dopamine in your brain, as a you know as a crude way of putting it, and that's what's causing the psychosis. Does that mean it's like massive highs and lows? In, in terms of the chemicals. Yeah, in terms of the do if dopamine is so high, does that mean they're always riding this high? No, so they, some things it has has either gradually caused them to become high or they've taken some drugs, as an example, right. to cause them that massive. Oh, and then from there, that's when the source that's of psychosis That's when the psychosis starts. Is that common threat? Is often drugs involved? Drugs is probably the commonest mm -hmm. from, from the young population that we see. Uh, drug is the commonest reason for, for psychosis. And I think lots of people don't see that. And, um, I, I don't want to talk more but uh, about this particular one, but I've had a couple of my patients who are now going to actually start a group with me uh, based on this, but their journey has, uh, from within psychosis, has been purely cannabis. And I, I would add here, I've had young people who have brought literature for me to ask me to prescribe uh, yeah, drug, yeah, cannabis okay. um, because they think it's it's uh, it's all a lie that drugs don't actually cause any problems. But we have a lot of I've seen as young as uh, twelve drug use psychosis yes. very early on. I feel like cannabis is such a contentious issue with that. There's people on two sides of it, right? It's either like this healer and this sort of hippie drug, or it causes you to absolutely lose your mind. Yeah. I don't quite understand. Again, it boils down to genetics. We are yeah. different brains are developed. So because people react differently. It depends on two things. A, the potency of the cannabis. Yeah. How often you're using cannabis. Yeah. And number three, genetics. Right? Yeah. The moment you, you've had one episode or, or even a mini episode which did not require treatment, that means you have the vulnerability. Don't go anywhere. Yeah. If you want to protect your brain, you want to live your life. Yeah. If you like your brain and you want to live, don't, and don't mess around with it. Yeah, Lots of people actually don't see mental disorder as a mental disorder, they see it as a brain disorder. Mm. What's the difference between mental disorder and brain disorder? So when I think when so if you think about just neurochemicals as an example, yeah. then if, if you can relate it as a as a brain disorder, when you think of mental as a this is something that sits within me, it's thoughts, it's feelings and emotions, it's not yes. just that. It's neurochemicals behind all this, mm. right? When you're thinking a thought, when you're feeling a thought, your body's creating those neurochemicals in your entire body to create a certain response. So I think when people think about it like that, I think I feel people might change the way they treat their body and the way they use substances. Interesting. So we were talking about what a normal day looks like. So you do the sort of initial review, yeah. we could call it the assessment, yeah. which might take a day or two. And then after that, what's the sort of next step? So after that, it'll be like follow-up appointments, uh, treating medications, um, but it, biopsychosocial approach is always there. So we have psychologists who work with us uh, and they might deal with like the trauma part of somebody's journey. Mm. Anxiety part of somebody's presentation, right? Uh, just hearing voices and coping with voices part of, of their yeah. life. So they, they will be working with that. Then we have our support workers uh, and social workers who will be helping with other things like accommodation, liaising with schools, universities, making sure that people are financially stable. There's a house, sorry, a roof over their head. If mm. they're having problems with the neighbors, sort it out, right? So they'll do that liaison work with, with um, the community so that we can give a young person the best chance yeah. to recover and get early intervention as possible so that we can improve their social and occupational outcomes. And that's what research shows, shows and that's why the, the whole team was built on this because the earlier you, you get in, the earlier you help, the so, more intensive help is. So what does that initial help look like? 
So when you, let's say you've got someone that's um, dealing with a certain disorder, what are the first steps that you take to sort of get them on either a path to recovery or just the right track? So early intervention, for example, is, is the, what, the model I was talking about, that actually you have a whole team built around one person. So oh, one person so will have okay. a care coordinator, which means a, a nurse who will be attached to their care, mm -hmm. just for their care, right? Uh, you will also have a psychiatrist, and you could see them if you wanted on a, on a, on a daily basis, if, if need be. Oh, wow. And sometimes you have to do that. Uh, we can go out and give medications on a daily basis, right? If, if you do that. In fact, our team is doing that right now for someone. Um, the physical health is monitored as well. And as I said, the, the social worker will do the social aspect part, but the support worker can come if you just want to go out for a walk with them mm -hmm. because it's too scary to go out. It's too anxiety proofing to go out. So they can yeah. do that, right? So that, that's what an ideal package looks like versus someone where we have the non psychosis service where somebody comes with depression and they might just see me. There's just no one else involved unless they become more complex and okay. so I think there's a, there are big sort of varieties of, of models within NHL, within, within NHS and pathways which are available and I think that's the best possible team that we can get and I, I'm very lucky and fortunate to be working with one of them. Yeah, so my, my working day looks very different and it includes sectioning people sometimes, oh, going to their home. That must be tricky. Yeah, doing domestic with, uh, sort of domiciliary visits and, and liaising with families and doing medical tribunals uh, because you have to prove that why can you put someone yeah. in section as an example in the community or in hospital. Mm -hmm. So all that is a part of my job along with liaison with GPs. But I, I would like Nadi to tell her job as well. Yeah. I think Nadi Rupi forgot it's that second. one thing that is common between all the psychiatrists or uh, consultants is we also have a role in teaching and training yeah, uh, medical students oh, and uh, psychiatric trainees, GP trainees. Plus, we have to be involved in audit and research and management related to chip skills. Yeah, so what I was describing was just Yeah, that's, that's the clinical. So, addition to clinical, we all have those responsibilities. Yeah, so um, and I think, I think people, and I'll put it out there, think that consultants are paid a lot. Mm -hmm. But I think there is five or six roles that we have to, uh, 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 we have to <laughs> deliver quality yeah. service. So, we have to be attending meetings where service development is taking place, speaking to commissioners, in addition to having at least minimum average of 100, 100 plus patients on our caseloads and new patients. That's, yes. that's, the, that's a good case. That's a good, and yes. that's what I wow. it's recommended. That's a recommended caseload. Recommended nobody. is 80, nobody yeah. has that. So that's a minimum average. Right. Um, that we, that is the only the caseload we have holding. Yeah. The new patients obviously every week we come on. So I think from, from child and adolescent uh, psychiatry we see uh, or I would see patients from hope, hopefully not early but it's 0 to 17 age group okay. but youngest I've seen is 4 year uh, but wow. we, we have other younger preschool kids as well seen by our psych nurses and is that just parents concerned about sort of young child behavior or schools okay. or yeah. behavior so or like acting up, a little acting bit up or again it boils down to whether they have some physical health issues yeah. that present as mental health issues as well yeah. um, so we spend I think we start with two hours assessment but normally it's never one young persons are very, you would think young persons even if they are 10 very few years there but mm. they are very complex and we have to give I them a lot of time that. to open up and I build a rapport. you're assessing a, a person you're assessing the whole family sometimes yeah kid is the most easy one it's the dynamic and we yeah. have a very systemic approach so we look at the child's issue the parents issue school issue, social, uh, what's happening at home, what's happening with caregivers or grandparents. But I think one thing that we 
invest a lot of time in as a psychiatrist with young people is having the rapport. Because they will, they come to see another adult who's going to tell them off. Yeah. yeah. So I think we have to change. Uh, so it's very useful to have the skills or knowledge about what kids like. So I have no idea about PlayStation and Xbox. Never played. Or Pokemon. Okay. I hate Pokemon, by the way, for the record. I have bad memories for my brother who was growing up, youngest brother. I always remember that Pikachu! Oh, you, you, yeah, good, yeah, exactly. He, he would be around your age group. So I can say good times. But not my memory. But again, you have to know about yeah, these things. Sure. So when you sit there and you find that area of interest, all of a sudden the language that I come across is shrugging shoulders what's the answer no yes or oh, whatever yeah. whatever uh, i don't care yeah but i think i think once you get to know them and you all of a sudden say oh so uh, the fifa 2021 is coming in september have you ordered your have you pre-ordered and they look at you thinking oh, how come this person, person knows it who? oh i said i have ordered it for my brother actually uh, he always gets a new one and uh, is it going to be any different and then they uh, change. One of my young person loves Pokemon. He's named me Doctor Pokemon. I'm not happy, proud of this <laughs> title. Uh, but he brings his Pokemon albums. He's really arranged okay. them, nice. and that's my way of engaging with him. Yeah. So it's I have common to, ground. Yeah, yeah. But I have to keep up to date with things. And my my excuse for watching lots of Marvel films <laughs> is it's a job. It's a job. It's my No, I watch what is uh, some of the teenage love stories as well, which oh, is oh, and red okay. books. Get rid of those. Yeah. You know, no, but but I think I think it's about you know Hunger Games. Uh, yeah, well, just being able to talk. Because I think I think if I, and my Lenyan has got all a lot of things, mm -hmm. uh, different yeah, and people will look at it. Oh, have you watched my Hunger Games? Or oh, have, uh, oh, I'm not a DC fan. And all of a sudden the story will turn around and parents get really annoyed with me sometimes because I'm not actually asking them question, how's your mood? So I would uh, oh, have a conversation. Classic case of parents know best, right? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. But I would have a conversation just like this about something different, but I would do a mental, a mental health assessment yeah. while I'm based sitting on that, based yeah. on that. So based on the answers that they give on. And also the interaction. Yeah. Well, what's the point of asking you about a young person about because now we've declared you're an old person <laughs> so a young person about school and that's a hateable thing yeah, but the, te if, the technical term is young adult, young adult. adult. that's how i am far as a young adult but but again i think that's the thing but i think what we tend to do is spend quite a lot of time with young people go and do school observation yeah. so i would not go myself if a young person knows so we send somebody else to just observe them at school, ask school questions because sometimes young people are different at home and at school. And normally they spend so much time at school, isn't it? So it's and it's schools good. will be like, but this kid is an angel and parents are like, he's a devil. <laughs> so you need to think about environment. The other thing we have to sometimes talk and work with families is, you know, everyone in the family is a bit grumpy. Yeah. You can't have this bubbly person in that family or other way around. That's worrying. So you have to look at the culture of the young person, yeah. uh, where they grow up. Information you're absorbing day to day, right? Yeah. What you're taking in. And so one of the things that I find in child psychiatry, and I think in psychiatry is you can be nosy as well, and it is your job to be oh, nosy. And we love it. I totally <laughs> And you have to be curious. You have to be curious yeah, yeah, about yeah. why. That's why so now? Our trainer, if you remember, used to always say, be, this is beyond your times, mm -hmm. probably. I don't know whether you've watched Columbo. It's a detective program. No, so he used, if you go back and watch him, he also used to act really dumb, 
Right. And then he used to remember, scratch his head, and come. You said, and ask, genuinely ask a question, but you said this, but you know, the cigarette is here, you said you never smoked. So who's come here, and this is pretty fresh. So I think be inquisitive. I always say to my trainee as well, be inquisitive, be compassionate with the family. Don't just judge them, okay? Always ask why now? Mm-hmm. Why is somebody hurting themselves now? Oh, 100%. And it is hard because we also have to do, uh, like I'm on call today, I'm getting messages, yes. um, is, is you have to go to hospitals to see young people, do sectioning as well, send them to hospital. And sometimes it's pretty dark, in situation where police or ambulance have to take them, them literally <laughs> scrape them off their beds because they're so unwell. I had yeah. a patient, eight ambulance crew people had to grab him. Wow. into the ambulance eight and I think it's hard and and I think people don't see this it has a toll on us as well oh, it's not yeah. easy to see um, and when things go wrong which sometimes they do they are investigations we have to be part of that yeah, yeah. yeah must be, I, that's one exactly. thing I want to touch on a little bit you yeah. must encounter a lot of sort of self-harm and suicide yeah. cases it must be something that's almost uh, I don't want to say normalized, but something that you encounter quite frequently. So, no, in some is sometimes used as a communication, sometimes people use it to cope as well. Um, so, so self harm, I think I'm not so. I think when people start self harming in front of me, and one of my patients Whoa, starts to do this, you remember? She it. just takes her place and then she starts, and I, I'm, yeah. I, I find that very difficult to cope with. And yeah. But nonetheless, I, I, I've had, I've lost patients, and sadly. Um, whilst I was on duty and whilst I was there and uh, I think it leaves you feeling what did I miss? Uh, what went wrong? I was going to say there's probably a part of that element um, maybe you get to a point sometimes where you, you probably can't help that person and you've got to either pass them or refer them on or but I think that feeling when you lose a patient, it's very hard for oh, especially in that way, right? But it's yeah. your job to essentially try and move them away from yeah, that. Yeah, but not only that. Well. There's a sense of failure yourself that I have sometimes somehow missed it. Sometimes, sometimes you feel, although you've done everything, but yeah. there is that feeling within you that you thought that you know it was my job to make sure that this person's mm. okay, and they have done something. And I think you also feel betrayed by mm. patients because we invest so much time with the patients. Mm. Um, I know for, for both of myself, I know we, the sort of people we are, I know we would. And I'm sure most of my most colleagues, of most of my colleagues yes. would be. And you get attached to patients. And I oh, think yeah. when you lose that and you think, but I was here, why didn't you just come and see Oh, me? yeah. I, I, Although people tell us that it is, it's people take their decision, it's their, you know, yeah. but it is still hard. And as a, as a medical profession, generally, we come into the field to help and save lives, mm. and even that doesn't happen, it just rip and you self doubt. It takes yeah. months to come out of like that. Yeah, they, they, they can be unintentionally quite patronizing around the situation. They can go, Well, you know, they're doing well, they're in a better place, this, that, and the other. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, fuck off. Oh, like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, there's no way you can spin it where this is a good and thing. And you can never know what somebody was thinking yeah. at the time yeah. of the event happened. Which is and the struggle. Sometimes right? it's an accidental thing. And, you know, you, I've just lost someone actually this this early this year, and I almost want to sort of shake him because I I know he didn't mean this. That's I it. know he didn't. It was accidental, and some of the young when people. When you say accidental, what does that mean? They were like it was an attention. It was an impulsive thing. I don't want to live right now, and right. didn't think it through. And some of them stop in the middle and realize it, but sometimes it goes it's too far. I had a patient uh, yeah. who hung hung himself, but um, his mother found him, bless him. I don't know out of nowhere. He did survive, 
we didn't oh, wow. see him surviving. But again, he at that moment in time thought this is just he, he, he can turn it around and it was just he didn't oh. want mean to do it. But there are patients and I think the other thing I would like to raise here as well, the social media is not helping our young people. Yeah, let's start. <laughs> I think I think we I've had lots of clinical experience where young people have a cyberbullying. Yep. Yeah. It oh. has a huge impact on young people's self-esteem, self-image. Oh, it has, it doesn't cause it, but it contributes to uh, uh, people getting clinically depressed, eating yep. disorder, mm -hmm. uh, to have a certain image. Body disorder. Oh, yeah. All We've that. all got a bit of that. I think it's, it's, it's terrible in a lot of people, but probably down to, not even social media, probably come from right away start with magazines, newspapers, media, media, media in all forms. I, th I think if you look at Instagram particularly, yeah. um, uh, people feel you have, everyone has a perfect life and oh, then they yeah. hate their life. Highlight reel of Instagram. Yeah. Exactly, mm -hmm. so I think that really contributes and hinders the progress people How many are likes you have? How many yeah. likes you have? But then I'm, I'm guilty of it. I've been sort of going through, I've had periods in my life where I've gone through tough times, but then presented myself on Instagram to be absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. And I look back on it and I'm like, you know, you're not setting the best example if you're, do, I'm doing it as well. I'm, I complain about people that are like, oh, you know, their life's not perfect, but they make it out to be on social media. You're just as guilty of it. Mm -hmm. You don't want to put the bad stuff on there, you know what I mean? But it's like you said, it's a highlight. But I think, I think but particularly with young people, they don't have that uh, depth of knowledge and this is the, vision this is the thing, to see that there is more to this picture yeah, as well. well is supposed to be a highlight reel. It's supposed to be your favourite photo. Avatar, as they say, it's yeah. the best avatar of you. It's supposed to be your representation of like, okay, look at what I did when I took this photo. And yeah. Look how happy I am in this video. It was someone's birthday. I think what then people interpret that as is that life is always like that. Mm. Because it's not life reflects art, art reflects life. It's you're just putting out exactly. your best work all the time. Yeah. And yeah. also, if you if you think about it, it should be age appropriate. So after right. 18, yes, use it by all means. Yeah. But young youngsters don't know. I've had lots of issues where young people feel really uh, abandoned by their friends because three of them went and did something and put a post there, yeah. and now yeah. they were not invited. Yeah. Now they might not be invited for whatever reason, but it's almost very dismissive. And have been hiding behind the avatar and saying really, Nasty stuff is very easy. Yeah. The it's other not is right? exactly. I don't know whether you've heard of. Is it blue dolphin? No. no. It's blue dolphin. They, they're, they're old. They're, they're old. That's why that's you're not good. cool enough. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, you're, you're really uncool. Oh, so there was a uh, there is an autistic Russian chap who actually invented this game, <laughs> which would pick people and ask them to do fifty tasks, and the last task was killing themselves. And it was a global. Oh, yes. I have heard of some ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this was a global issue. You should read it. Blue Wave. No, they're different. That's so a different one. Momo was a similar thing, wasn't yes. it? Whereas on Momo told me to do this. Yeah. yeah. So does it start where it's like a really, really simple task? Yeah. Oh, Darren Brown did something similar. So, so it's, it's almost it's it's and they, they pick up. They used to pick up on vulnerable people. Mm -hmm. We within our local area had. Uh, four kids that were caught because we found the, so you drew the different parts of the veil, blue veil on your arm. So we, once we found out, I think in Surrey there were eight, but uh, fortunately we didn't lose anyone in England because of this. But um, I think it was um, Asia. 
Blue Whale actually really took quite a lot of That's time. That's insane. So what? So it was one person's what little game that they decided to. Yeah, and they were. And, and what and is it? It's people, were making videos. people were making videos. People jumping off things. It was it's on. If you go on YouTube, you can look at it. It just. I it, hope it's not there. It's, I hope it's not there. The other is uh, overdose challenge. Very common. Uh, online, the young people challenge each other how much they can take an overdose without uh, just about to get into hospital and not doing right, anything like serious. What's your limit? Exactly. The other, the more another horrendous one is called blackout. Oh, uh, yeah. oh. That actually live streams you actually strangling yourself this and blacking cool. out. This kid I was mentioning eventually the police found out uh, he was on on blackout. Is blackout? And the, this is a this is a young young uh, footballer who died because of this as oh, well. Right. Um, what in the blackout because he gets, as in a, like a professional football. He was a yeah. He's a kid actually. Right. So he he did like an academy, academy level or something. Yes. So is, is blackout a platform or is it like a challenge that's done on social media? No. I'm trying to work. Yeah, I think it's a platform. I think wow. it's been taken off now because we had quite a few of those, and they keep coming up in different forms. Um, that is wild. The, yes. And I think again, Crazy, man. and again, the other is um, exploitation of young people. Yeah, sexual yeah. exploitation. Oh. Um, through you know dark media or wherever uh, internet people are doing that so you can close one and that's why it's important to think about what you allow your young people to use and you have to as parents I will say this million times over you have to be technically savvy these days yeah oh, gotcha. don't just say oh I don't know anything kids will go through the VPN kind of system yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, unblock uh, and remove parental rock and see things you have to be technical savvy. There is no excuse for parents. Otherwise, don't have internet. I would definitely say. I think that. No, but I think I think uh, the thing is, it is such a because another thing that parents say, my kid doesn't go out. The world comes to their bedrooms. Yeah, this is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Some part of me just kind of wishes it didn't exist, but how it existed when I was a kid, where it was so like I could only get on the internet by a desktop computer that was in the whole world. Yeah, exactly. But you just got a giant screen, so it's like you're there playing like, I don't know, eight ball pool on mini clip for like four hours. That was the only thing you went on, and then maybe you did a bit on Facebook and you got ignored by all your mates. The drama there, I Yeah, yeah, oh god, yeah. Well, I wouldn't say mates, I mean all the girls. And that was it, and it was fine because I would then. I would do that after I'd been to the park. Yeah, yeah. like you can just distinct switch off. You don't take the computer same with you. Xbox Live. It was like on Saturday nights. It was raining. I'm like, oh, we'll all be on zombies later on. Yeah. Zombies and play with Call of Duty. A balance. A game balance. 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 Yeah. Whereas now you just. I mean, if an eight-year-old is playing Grand Theft Auto, what influence do one of the kids called me, oh, you're so old, how do you know about this? <laughs> you know this girl. Um, and I was sitting there and thought, I, I couldn't just, I, I just had to laugh. Yeah. I, said, I said, yes, I'm very old, uh, you're right, but I know because your language, what you're talking and the, the way you're presenting yourself, it is very much like yeah. how, 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 how. One of the young person actually um, was accessing uh, really inappropriate web pages and he lived with his grandparent. And his grandmom was like, bless her, she didn't know about it. She said he accidentally typed these words, um, uh, very explicit I'll, words. I've used that one before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it wasn't me, I swear. But again, she didn't know. So she said I had to call somebody to come and remove it. And yeah. he was sitting there, uh, cheekingly, and I knew he was 
But again, what is he accessing and who is accessing him? He can be groomed. Yeah, yeah this is yeah. the thing. Like, yeah. don't know how vulnerable it is. And there is a reason why we have that age. Lots of parents are buying their kids those games because A, they are playing it. Or it's easy. It's easy. It's, and the other thing is, what do what do what the world work? Everyone has got it. Yeah. yeah. Well, this yeah. is when I was a kid. I, I remember Grand Theft Auto being around my city at the time, like PlayStation Two or something, which are really good games. But I wouldn't have been able to play them with kids. Wouldn't have understood why they were good games. But yeah. I remember like my brothers. I was the youngest, so I remember like my brothers and my cousins being like, "Yeah, you can watch, but you can't really play. Like you can't do. Like you have to watch." Then play, and even then it was like twenty minutes, and the parents would find out, and I'd be like, oh. yeah. And I think, I think I remember my parents. So, if, you tell, you if you told them, uh, everyone has it. They said, if everyone does jump, jump off a building, yeah. jump off a building, oh, we jump it. Yes. Or if everyone, it is timeless. It makes so much sense. But again, these days, lots of parents actually just say it because everyone had it. I had a girl saying to me, I think the parents have become softer. You think? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, I'm like this now. My dad always like puts these questions to me, and he's like, "Well, what would you do in this situation?" I'm like, "Well, I'm gonna smack you. Wouldn't do it again, would he?" And he's like, "Well, you can't do that." Like, no. He always puts it down to the fact that because I'm at that age, yeah. I'm, I just see that as such a simple way to do it. He's like, "Why well, as you get older, you realise that you you're ingraining that behaviour. Then they do something wrong, violence is the answer. Mm. You do something wrong, it's aggression is the answer." Mm. Aggression is not no good no. for anyone, it doesn't help. But I think it's about balance, parent having some control. If the parents switch are, it off. I have told parents to switch the drop. The amount of times I have this conversation every day, I would be a very rich person <laughs> if I got money for it, um, is, is switch it off at 8. Yeah. But then they, they actually argue, but then we have to come up with it. Mm-hmm. That's, not, uh, bad that's not a bad yeah, thing. That's not a bad thing. thing. No, but yeah. I've had arguments, parents were saying no. And I had a girl who actually said I'm going to die because, because I said you, you shouldn't have a laptop in your room. And, she, and I thought she's actually suicidal and I said, what happened? And she said, and she was rolling around crying. She's a 14 year old on the floor. I was like, oh my God, she's really suicidal. I need to do something. And it was because I had said, turn off your, I had told mom to take the laptop off yeah. and turn the uh, internet off. But kids have uh, mobile data. Yeah. Yeah. Fine, keep the phone in the bag at school. You yeah. know, I, I think children have a smartphone. smartphone. I think children should just yeah, have right. a great phone. Just a Nokia. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. I'll do the trick. Because, yeah, because if you want to call and make sure your kid is fine, yeah, Nokia, okay. the brick one. Yeah. yeah. Which documentary is that? Have you seen Oh, yes. Uh, on Netflix. It's the one that uh, they talk about yes. how social media has been created and how uh, addictive it is. The one that had a dramatization alongside yeah. it. It was um, how it is literally intentionally built to yes. attract you to. Yeah. It's really, really popular. So good, the social dilemma. That's so good. Yeah, that yeah. yeah, that was good. That was and, really and again, good. they have all been designed to keep it. Again, if you look at the biochemistry, they look at your reward, your reward system. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so, it's a little rope. Yeah, so you all, when you scroll down to refresh, it's like a slot machine. Yeah. Oh, dude, I never thought about that. Yeah, dude, like, so my part of my job is having a social media presence. Of course. Ah. And that, uh, there's, I did a lot of research because I never really liked social media, but I soon realized I'm going to have to use it because yeah. otherwise I'm never going to get to where I want to be. Um, there are good aspects to it. There are excellent aspects I will defend it a little bit. It does have some really powerful, yeah. um, I guess, rewards in some sense. If, you, if you're good at if you're using it for the right reasons anyway. But it is very geared to like 
You know, the app doesn't work for you. You work for the app. Mm. Like there's a, a really, I hate, he hates the word he puts, but there is a guy that's quite popular in our industry mm -hmm. that talks a lot on why he doesn't really like social media, but it's obviously helped him use his business a lot. James Smith. Yeah, so he talks about how after watching social media, he realised he was like, people think it's so good being like this influencer, you can send stuff. But he's like, you don't yeah. realise you don't get a day off. You can't take two weeks off social media and expect to be where you are because yeah. it'll punish you. It'll put you back in the bottom part. Yeah, algorithm wise, right? Yeah. It's like if I don't post every day or I don't talk about things on every day on social media, or, or what I'm posting isn't hitting ninety five percent of my mm. people, they punish me. What other employer can you? Go to the desert, no other employer does that. You're given your rights, you've got two weeks holiday, you've got benefits, this, that, and the other. If you take a day off, you can't call up Instagram and say, oh, I was ill, mate, and I have all my interaction back. Yeah. Is that yeah. an analogy that he uses? Cause I quite like yeah. it. Yeah, he talks about it. Basically, employer. well, he is a little bit different with his, like, he doesn't really care because he's a businessman, so his following doesn't make him money, uh -huh. his clients make him money. Yeah, for sure. So he's doing very well to separate the two. Uh -huh. He obviously realized quite early on that, like, if I just use my social media as my money, then I'm, I'm at the mercy of the app. Whereas yeah. if I take my clients off social media and put them onto my own website or whatever, then interact with them that did. way. I'm interacting with them directly and the social media thing is just... But I guess, like I guess it's, it's how you use it, what you use it for. It has its yeah, yeah, huge so. benefits. Yeah. It's huge so responsibility. It's yeah. an amazing oh, yeah. thing. Like learning stuff, how-to yeah. videos, it's great. It's just about curating it. And I think but the problem is when young people are Exactly. You don't have this sort of broad, not, yeah, there's no filter, there's no sort of like, there's no knowledge of the wider world and what you should be getting. Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. I, I mean, said that? I don't, I don't know, but I love it. Someone said <laughs> it all the time, I'm just going to say that. It wasn't It's a beautiful thought yeah. yeah. But I, I, I know some young, their uh, TikTok is their Google, whatever TikTok yeah. says. Oh, oh, yes. They quote it, they actually quote it. Yes, that's but how did you find out TikTok? And you're like, yeah. Dr. TikTok. Dr. TikTok. Dr. Google. So there's loads of stuff on TikTok. I mean, I don't actually use it. This is the nah. one. Why? Yes. Because, because, because you're old. It's, old. Old. Wow. it's I very have TikTok and I don't I like don't it. Have it. Yeah, as I see it for the evil that it is. <laughs> but at the same time, you always do it. You end up going down the rabbit hole and you find these random channels. I found this guy that was teaching kids self defense. And he was talking about it in such a way it was like, don't fight. But if you have to, I'm going to show you how. Oh. And he was like, this is why you shouldn't fight. This is Sure, like this is where the, is the answer, this is where it isn't the answer. My best, his favorite video was the whole caption is when he's fighting the answer, it's just a five second video of him going, never. Stops. And I was like, this is just a great thing, it's got like 150 million views or whatever. Yeah. Like, brilliant. But I think, again, age appropriateness, when should yeah. it, yeah. just like driving, why should yeah. we then give kids a car as well? Yeah. There is a, there is yeah. a reason why there is Alcohol. an age. Cigarettes, all those yeah. things are, are equally addictive. There's a great thing in the social dilemma where he says, you may remember, he says, the technological expansion we've had in the last, say, maybe 15 years is huge, right? We've had this yeah. massive spike, but our brains haven't changed. Yeah. We're still the same mammals that we were previously. Yeah. So we're now living in this world that our brains don't really understand. We can't fully wrap our head around uh, the connectivity. It's reduced our attention span. Eight seconds. Oh, really? Well, that's, what that's why I hate TikTok. Yeah. You've got eight seconds to gather some attention before they're yeah. out. And, kids, and that's why if you look at kids, they get bored. Yeah. yeah. They can't stand being bored. They hate mindfulness. Yeah. And also, yeah, they hate mindfulness. And also, oh, they want the answer right away. They can't wait for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And they, they, now if you look at it, most of the kids have Amazon accounts. Yeah. Oh, instant gratification. Oh, yeah. We can talk oh. about it for hours on yeah. them. There are, I would for officially say there are lots of benefits, but yeah. if not used appropriately, it can be. Yeah. I, I, I put this into my coaching all the time. I tell people that like, 
um, if you want like quick results, and it's so prevalent in our industry, like if you want quick results and stuff like that, then I won't coach you. I'll get rid of you. Because yeah. You, yeah. Dude, that's not the kind of people you, like I want to coach, like I said, not the kind of people you want. It's not the way to think about it. It's not the kind of coach you want to have mm. for to you. With. Yeah, to yeah. someone who's going to accept Because you, yeah. you just want, it's not like that. Life isn't about that. Life no. is about a constant sort of sense of I'm trying to better myself all the time. I'm, Loving like you do the process of achieving that one one rep max or that or mm. that lift or whatever. If you just enjoy the reward all the time, you'll just seek the quickest way to get. Oh that yeah, that's how people get there. There's a good analogy of achievement. Training is um, it's like shifting an endless pile of dirt. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. some days you might have a big shovel, right? And you're moving, shifting. Other days you might have a little spoon. Mm. As long as every day you are finding a way to shift a bit. Of dirt. I think I like that. Yeah, it's nice because it's so simple. So well. We say things like that all the time, right? Like, yeah. Because if we have to check today, we're going to shift some dirt. We're in that gym. Yeah, yeah. But the pro the thing is, kids don't hear this. They are uh, they choose to what they listen to, and they, they will even Twitter if you look at it. Mm -hmm. You you can get into that as you described rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. They, it, similar videos will keep coming. Similar clicks yeah, will yeah. and people will seek out. Yeah. And it's scary. I remember I was having a conversation with one of my secretaries about a book. Mm -hmm. I was nothing else, just a book and some a book that I would never read. That was kind of. Book. Uh, it's boring book, kind of. Yeah. And I came home and... <laughs> <laughs> and there it is, popping yeah, up yeah. on your Instagram, your Amazon sale. <laughs> this is it, that's the scariest book. <laughs> no, but, yeah. but uh, my Amazon uh, uh, suggested you may uh, uh, like, you may like this book. And it was the exact same title. It wasn't like the ones I've ordered, so I could expect that. But after that, I was actually consciously like, I've got Google Home and I'm now scared. I, I, I've cut yeah. it off from the yeah. internet because I'm like, sometimes it just won't blink. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I didn't say anything. What are you? I've just you? accepted my fate with my Alexa and my she knows my life. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have it for a month, so she might as well just be your wife. Like, <laughs> and it's going that way. It is going that way. It is scary. I get the same. No, but thing. I think I think that is uh, something kids don't understand. Yeah. Uh, no, well, with this, we've had the experience without that. Like, I, I remember just, like just being in the garden for yeah, like hours. Really. Oh, yeah. Sick. Do you remember knocking on people's doors asking if they were on a remember. Yeah, call, I remember true. having to call like, houses. So right? so so I remember so having to talk Freaking mate's dad more yeah. to him because he never answered the phone. Yeah, you'd have to house for a piece of paper. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. You guys are, are younger, but I'm having one phone waiting for someone else I to get yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and the whole the whole house listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just text someone. Yeah, and also you can't have if you are on phone and you're like, mm hmm, mm hmm, you're your boss, no, you're not going. I think, <laughs> I think we forget that we survived for millennia without these things, yeah. right? that we, we found a way to live. But to be, to be devil's advocate here, the younger people don't know any other way. But we we're can't lucky. these things. We're like the last generation that sort of experienced life without it and with it at quite a young age. So I remember not having these things and then I also remember them coming in. Yeah. So we have sort of both things, I whereas the generations now don't have like, them. Smartphone was coming up. Remember yeah, the yeah, iPhone one. Like I had like a, I had like a Sony Ericsson, then like a yeah, Blackberry. Yeah, the Blackberry was the iPhone. Yeah. And I had the iPhone three, four, five. The three is where it changed, right? The three was where it, it got real. It yeah. was like this is like proper touch screen. It was when I had to get rid of my iPad, iPod, iPod touch because it went into my phone, and I was like, what? This is yeah, real. yeah, I remember that. But I, I remember when I started my working. 
and my first year of training as a house officer, as yeah. they used to call, I had this Sony Ericsson phone yeah. with an antenna. Only, only we used to, with the little antenna, yeah, exactly. Only to be taken when I was on duty, so that my parents knew yeah. what time I'm leaving, so that they expect me home. Yeah. And then it used to go on the central place. Whoever left the house would take it. And my dad had that brick phone, uh, and he was so excited. But I, I remember it was a treat to carry that phone mm. because he was a privilege. I gave the cool kid. Do I remember being a privilege? House keys. Like, oh, I used to have to keep my house keys in my pencil case because my parents were so. So concerned I'm going to lose them. I was like, oh, actually, my pencil is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, but I think it's about having that balance. I think that balance, and I think we have to be playing. I had to earn that, right? So I had to earn the house keys and be trustworthy enough. And also, I got to the point where they didn't want to pick me up from school. Uh -huh. They um, didn't want to pick you up? Yeah, they were like, I can't be asked this in case. You think I'm this one if you want to come, 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 you're still waiting your turn for that gratification, and then to this day now, I still don't really buy brand new phones. The one I have now is the first phone I've ever bought brand new, and even oh, yeah. that wasn't technically brand new because it was refurbished. Because oh, I don't, yeah. I'm not conditioned iPhone XS, but the only, only reason I spent money on this is because it's my job, it takes yeah. my camera. Yeah, so I'm not I'm like I take it all massively, like gratefully, in the sense of like I'm not conditioned to now want the latest new thing the minute it comes out, mm -hmm. because I've only ever really had hand me -downs. And I think it's the families and parents who mm -hmm. yeah. no rules, no boundaries, it's, you know. Um, and, and imagine how these kids will be as parents, yeah. and, and also as, yeah, uh, when they become employees. Oh, yeah. They will get bored, yep. yeah. they will can't want to, uh, can't focus, uh, so oh, they are yeah. motivated. unmotivated. I find that, I, I worked an office job for about a year um, recently. I, um, but I found myself getting so bored. I would have to have like entertainment, like a podcast in or something yeah. like that. And every sort of 20, 30 minutes or so, I would find myself just, just scrolling and stuff, just to sort of try and get away from the boring task at hand. So, yes, yeah, like you said, our attention spans are definitely. We, I mean, we did a, uh, was it earlier last year, we did a, a one week off smartphones. We oh, no way. It, it, How does that go? It worked hard. Difficult. Yeah, I but what I it was so hard that I got sick. See, she actually physically sick. Yeah, she did. I think she had withdrawal symptoms. She denies it. But I think, I think what was interesting was um, we had so much time. Interesting. We, we actually, our colleague calculated the amount of time we were saving in the day, and we we figured out we actually gaining a whole month. Whoa. One whole month in the year of time. In time. If, we, if we spend on average six to eight hours, that's, so that's how much time we were spending. But again. We didn't get up with, oh my god, the world, what is happening to the world? Yeah. We, we, I had a lot of time to eat nicely without looking at the phone. And as you were saying, my hand, I've been so few seconds. Oh, yeah, right. You reach it just goes. It just goes. And I was like, what, a, what, a, what a, and I just thought, I, the amount of money I save from not ordering things from Amazon. Yeah. Because, yeah, oh, yeah, because all I sometimes do is just look, okay, it's scroll just, and scroll. You can do it when you're bored, right? Because it's like we were saying, you get a little dopamine hit from it. If you buy yeah. something that drives you, you're like, well, it's exciting. And I think getting bored is good because then you can you can appreciate the uh, things when you do exciting. No, definitely. I've noticed it with myself. I'm definitely a YouTube I am a, she said it, I'm a YouTuber. I love it. I, I actually love it. Same. I can spend hours on it. But what I notice is I'm sort of kind of switching from that to, you know how people have these short clips, short uh, things TikTok. on, on say it. it's, it's TikTok, but it's a TikToker. 
Snapchat. Oh, I can like sit on it and I can watch this for like hours. Yeah. And I get bored with the longer videos now. Interesting. So I've gone the other way. That was kind of why we started this. So I love like long form stuff. I love watching like the Joe Rogan experience where it's like three hour conversations. And he says it really well where we were sort of conditioned to think that we have these short attention spans. Like you look at all the sitcoms, it was all 10 minutes splice and then adverts because we can't handle mm. a lot. But I think a lot of us are finding that we, we do enjoy some of these long form conversations. I think it goes one way or the other. Mm. Like these quick snappy 15 second videos are great. But I love sitting down and just having almost like fly on the wall conversations in the background. Like it keeps me company. Mm-hmm. If I'm like bored at home, especially during this most recent lockdown, it was a torrid time. I relied on podcasts to sort of keep me sane because mm-hmm. it was like I had like my mum worked, so I live at home. My, both my mum and my brother worked long hours, so I was just sort of in the house on my own all day. Yeah. Um, other than sort of coming here to train, we had nothing to do because we weren't working. Um, so it became really important to me to have these like podcast companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it, it felt like I was in a conversation with someone. Yeah. Again, that's a, that's a, again, that's, yeah. a, that's a positive side of it. This you're getting it. something out of it. You're hearing other people's viewpoint. You're expanding your but not just like when do you fight never that's a good one though I think that's a good one but again some of them are just funny but again are you stimulating your mind enough and are you could you have done actually something else more creative more creative because you're you're numbing your mind to Mm -hmm. stimulation and stimulation is the key to developing your mind yeah, and, and we're not learning anything. And, and I always think these people are making money by me watching this. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. What am I getting? You can make a whole career out of Instagram. Well, this is, the, this is my biggest problem. It's <laughs> just the amount of trash. Yeah. And if you had, like, I defend social media, but for every good person on social media, mm-hmm. there's at least 50 bad ones. No, because it's, it's a very, very But we are allowing a new generation. Yeah. To be influenced by certain, as you said, certain people who have no depth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And are we stimulating our young minds who are going to take over the world tomorrow? Uh, yeah, a, I think the, uh, this is another uh, conversation, but that's the important part. These are going to be our prime ministers and presidents. Yeah, you're very um, right. And it's not going to be good. Delete them. That's not what they will do. Nuclear yeah. uh, weapon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, buy it. <laughs> oh, I can't be asked that mean. I just, I just, yeah. I, I, I think two of my main gripes of social media. One, it has ruined young males' view of what it is to be masculine, and it has made it only the one way. Because you, you think now, like I, I've, well, I worked in a gym in Worcester. I met a lot of young kids in there because the age uh, limit to go in was a little bit younger. It was like sixteen plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and even for myself, even to some extent, to some extent, you get a sense that to be masculine, you have to be big, you've got to be muscled, you've got to be chiseled jaw, you've got that, that kind of thing that from the 80s hard body and action heroes is coming in a little bit. I've got my film degree now, it's great. This is where I get to use it. And that's, that's fine because they were, they were in films, you just have to rewatch that same film. There's no different message there other than like Rocky or whatever. But now we're getting on social media and it's now getting to be that to be men, you've got to be. This giant muscle bound dude that's driving this fast car with this absolutely genetically impossible female on the front that's <laughs> in a bikini. You only live in hot sunny countries yeah. Yeah. or extreme winters. There's no like standard in big houses with big windows. Big houses, big windows. And that's what it is to be a successful man. Yeah. I don't know, I think I disagree. Where it was, I'll let you finish, bro. 
Carry Again, on. I feel, and that's, yeah, that's, one that's part of it, right? That's one extreme, that's where I have a problem. There is definitely others in there. I but just, the worst one, I think, is the females in social media. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, with the lips and the eyes. Yeah, and, oh, and, and the, the filters. filters. You look at the filters that you can use, it makes you look like a person just the fact not. The, the, the attention on it. The attention on it. If you, it is, if it's you the are a girl and you put something up in, like, I hate gym wear for girls. So sexualized. Yeah. And if you put that on social media, you will get a... I guarantee you at least 50% more attention or interaction, whether that's likes, comments, shares, and whatever. If you put that on social media, you get that so much more than somewhere if you were a girl and you put out a genuine piece of information that you're wearing full business with. Yeah. Yeah. No one cares. No one cares. Then I have another way of looking at it as well. Super heroes don't help. I have an issue. Why does Wonder Woman have to wear a small skirt, whereas Batman has to wear leather overall? True, you look at Thor, he's constantly on his top. Like, I, I think it, it works definitely way both more. Both ways, both ways. There's definitely more sexualization of it in the female side, but I think it definitely happens in the male side as well. Yeah, there's definitely a bit of that. And again, it ties back to that, you've got to be big muscles, you've got to have abs, you've got to be beach body all year round. It must be a, a lot of pressure on boys. On well, we, luckily, me and Jake understand that most of these people are on steroids yeah. and have like, and that's not us like speculating, that's no. what they do in the industry. That's not you being jealous. We're also <laughs> <not> <laughs> Nobody wow. can be like that, he's got fingers. We also understand that masculinity comes in many forms. That's where I was just that one. Yeah. We probably are exposed to the very different. So I, I've got people on there that are completely opposite, though, uh-huh. interested in various different things. Yes. Um, you know, my I guess the other prime example would be like uh, musicians. Mm-hmm. You can't, you don't find musicians that are rarely that into their health and fitness. They might mm-hmm. do on the outside, but their image and the image it portrays mm-hmm. is like. Grungy and stuff, man. Yeah, just, like, just drinks whiskey and has a beer body, but he's cool as hell. That stuff is changing a little bit. Yeah. Like the, yeah, that sort of perception is definitely bigger around the 90s. I think now yeah, it's a lot different now. Do you think your view of masculinity has changed? I think, yeah, definitely. Just because we're, I mean, I still have that view that, like, like you said, the sort of muscle wound freak, but then because we've got this massive shift at the moment in people identifying in genders mm-hmm. in different ways, people coming across. Yeah. They, they present their gender in different ways. I just think there's more than one way to be someone masculine. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I try to see it in a more traditional way. I don't see someone as mm. doing it different as any less masculine. Yeah. People have forgotten to be human. Yeah, yeah. and be different. Right? I think we just like to be categorized. Into, there's so many things. I learned so many new terms coming around gender yeah, that you just crazy. get your head around. Uh, it's difficult. But I think, why do we have to label? Label. Yeah. Why does, if, if you are dressed this way, you must be that. Yeah, um, why can't we just be cool people? Yeah. Just people. So we've just, we've just gone past the two hour mark, yes. so we can start winding down. I don't yeah. keep you too long. Really quickly, we asked this to Wes and Seppi when we have, so whenever we have guests, yeah, I'd like yeah, to finish yeah. with this question. Um, sort of relate to your field somehow. So if you would have any advice for either young people or young adults or people that you would work with um, who may not necessarily have access to a psychiatrist, but somehow have made it to the end of this podcast. Um, <laughs> what would the advice? What would the advice be to someone who? Uh, Go for it. Go for it. I think I would advise that there is a, a huge umbrella term of mental health, emotional well-being, all together, and there is good anxiety, good boredom, good low mood. But to use that to our advantage. Uh, but when you need help, do get help. Don't feel that it's not the right, it's it's a stigma of any yeah. sort. We all need help. We all need professional help, family help, 
but again, the other thing I would say is have a please have a balanced lifestyle, yep. um, good mm. exercise, good eating, um, and look after your mental well-being. Give yourself just like you do physical exercise, uh, mental exercise is important. Mindfulness, yoga, whatever helps you. Think about yourself. Yeah, I think um, actually accessibility to a psychiatrist in in England is actually pretty easy. Having said that, I think camps probably is not easy. Okay. For younger people, it's, I don't it's, think that's true. No, I think the GPs take a bit of time to make referrals. I think right. we have to wait. If it is again, if you need help, come to mental health services. If not psychiatrists, yeah. Because it might be that in camps there are family approaches that needs to be tried out first. Yeah, yeah. because the, the, your GP is a good port, and I think there are lots of community-based sort of programs that GPs are attached to. Yes, that are available actually. Before you actually need to see a psychiatrist, I have is one of the easiest ones. In fact, the whole name is about immediate access to psychological therapies. Okay. Anyone can access that. You can refer yourself, you know, free of charge yourself. Mm -hmm. You need a referral from the GP. There are organisations here locally. Uh, Mind has been doing excellent work. They yeah, run lots of programs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I think their program is called Recovery Academy. And uh, again, these are short courses on self-esteem and confidence, and depression. With anxiety, managing emotions, building resilience. Those are fantastic at any age, I think. Yeah. We'll get all the links and the stuff. Yes, yeah. uh, Bios and descriptions and comments, all that stuff, so that you can just click it. So, I guess in summation, it's about doing everything that you can personally to live a good lifestyle and to have balance, but you know, when you need help, get it. Yeah. Don't go and yeah. seek help. Don't yeah. just get it. Don't be afraid. And talk about it. Talk about yeah, it. Talk about it. Yeah, definitely. I almost feel like this has been a little therapy session for us. This has been really nice. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. sat back on the couch. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we could do like, you know, episodes yeah, three, four, Oh, yeah, I can roll on the Thank you so much for coming to talk yeah. to us. Yeah. I really appreciate right. it. I hope we talk again soon. Pleasure. We'll definitely stay in touch. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you.